Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. Show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Halt and Catch Fire. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 2, titled Signal to Noise. Uh, okay, bunch of stuff going on in this episode, a lot to talk about here. First and foremost, so Haley, for some unknown reason, we're not sure why, decided to cut class to go play chess with herself. She cuts class to go play chess with herself. Not sure that's worth risking the punishment of cutting class, but whatever. I I can think of a million things that would be way more worth it, but fine. For some reason, she feels the need to cut class and play chess with herself... Uh, We're not entirely sure why at the moment. That's a massive, massive mystery. Uh, And of course, she gets caught. Immediately. And she ends up having to go to work with Gordon. Because she gets suspended. For cutting class to play chess with herself. Haley's a weird kid. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) I mean, look, I love that character. They do some amazing stuff with her throughout this season that I cannot wait to get into. But my god, early episodes of Teenage Haley, she does some weird shit, man. (laughs) Like, she's very awkward and out there and... I mean, granted, they do go into why she's like that, and they do go into uh, some of the stuff going on in her head later on in the season when we'll talk about that. It's not all just weirdness for weirdness sake, but, who boy, when you see this stuff out of context very early on, it's just like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? (laughs) What the hell is going on with her? Uh, This is strange. And bizarre. But anyway, Gordon and Haley are in the back of the car. And Gordon's saying like, hey, you you can't do this. You can't blow off steam by cutting class. This isn't okay. Why would you even do that? What the hell is going on with you? And Haley breaks down crying. And Gordon's like, hey, hey, hey it's okay. What did I say? What? Ha- why are you crying? And again... We have no explanation as to why Haley is crying at this exact moment. But we know for sure that it is not menstrual crying. Because Gordon knows what menstrual crying looks like. Gordon, as a man, 
is an expert on menstrual crying. <laughs> oh, man. That scene in this episode where Gordon's calling Donna and they're trying to theorize why Haley broke down crying and Donna <laughs> thinks, oh, maybe she's on her period. And Gordon's like, no, no, no. This isn't menstrual crying. I know what menstrual crying looks like. And Donna just like dripping with sarcasm is like, yeah. You know what menstrual crying looks like. It's just so funny. <laughs> like, in the Clark family, Gordon is the least qualified, by far, to know what menstrual crying looks like. Uh, it's really, really funny. Uh, but this ends up being the least of Gordon's problems, because as soon as he shows up to work with Haley. Uh, their network is having kind of a big outage. They're having some issues with overclocking the network, sort of the network being overflowing after the flat monthly rate. And they don't have enough piping, and it's just slowing down to a crawl, uh, going out. They're hemorrhaging customers as a result of this. It is a massive, massive dumpster fire. And, of course, Joe's nowhere to be found. More on that later. So, Gordon has to deal with this on his own. And he's basically just running around the entire episode, trying to put out all these fires, uh, trying to get the providers on the phone. Because the way this works is you have the utility of the internet. And then you have the user... And then the ISPs are like this middleman. So they base the ISPs basically have to go to the utility and say, hey, give us some internet. And they're like, okay, here's some internet. And then the ISPs pass that on to the consumer. That's how this system works. So they go to the utility. They go to... Uh, the backbone provider. And the provider is just flat out. First off, they're just dodging their calls. Some asshole is just like, oh, we can't do anything, blah, 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 blah. And they're trying to get the big guy. They're trying to get the big uh, backbone person on the phone, they can't, they can't, they can't, eventually they do, and then the dude says, okay, look, we have no piping for you guys, we have no more to give to you, you're on your own, deal with what you got, and Gordon, in this moment, puts two and two together and realizes, oh shit, they're making their own ISP, and squeezing everybody out, They're basically trying to own the entire business. They're basically trying to say, Hey, we have the thing. Why don't we just give it to the people directly? Instead of going through this uh, these ISP assholes, we can make way more money off of this. And they're muscling out Gordon and his little... ISP, and whoever else might be on their network, and all that. 
So they're essentially screwed. But while all of this is happening, Gordon gives Haley this big uh, tray of post-it notes and says, Hey, uh, this little index bullshit, uh, put, put these... Put all these websites in a spreadsheet for me uh, so we can kind of work on that. Uh, It's important. Don't worry. And he gives it to her. And then she goes about five steps further than Gordon intended. Uh, Turns out she knows how to draw and she knows how to code. And she utilizes both of those skills to create a web index just on her own. Calls it Comet because, you know, Haley's Comet. And now that's just out in the world. And she just whipped that up. Cool. Sure. Why? (laughs) Why the hell not? So now Gordon looks at this and is like, holy crap, my daughter made this. That is awesome. So at least there's some good news happening in the world of Gordon. Uh, Meanwhile, Donna doubling down on the whole ISP, or not ISP, doubling down on the whole search engine thing with Rover. That's what this company is called. I forgot their names last time, but it's Rover. And then Donna basically goes to her assistant and says, hey, uh, so you pulled, you, you discovered Rover essentially to begin with, and you've been doing a whole bunch of work with them. You've basically been an administrator with them. You're taking the lead on this. We're expanding them. We're making them a search engine. You take the lead on it. You've earned it. Go nuts. So she hands Rover off to her assistant, who is very, very excited about this, is very happy to have the nice little promotion. While this is happening, Boz comes in and pitches like, Hey, uh, so these guys that I met while on a boat, uh, they are trying to make uh, cheaper GPSs. They're trying to make GPSs that are cheaper and better, uh, more consumer-friendly uh, so, yeah, I just wanna, I just want a little finder's fee from that. So, hey, you wanna go into business with these guys? And Donna's like, it's a promising technology. I'll think about it. This is code for bad idea. And Boz knows it. And, and Donna goes up to Diane later and is like, yeah, It's just too late in the GPS game. Like, there's so much market saturation on that. And Diane's like, yeah, Boz is looking for something to do. At least, that's what we think. And don't get me wrong, this is part of it. Boz is definitely suffering through that retirement boredom. However, that pales in comparison to the prime motivation. For trying to get something off the ground, which is that, uh, turns out, he made some really bad real estate deals with his own money, and is now 
thousands of dollars in debt. About $18,000 in debt. And this is revealed when he goes to Gordon, essentially asking for money. Because Gordon hired the Blue Man Group. (laughs) And Boz is like, hey, you have money. And Gordon's like, hey, look. Your wife is, like, richer than all of us. Talk to Diane. I'm not getting in the middle of this. And Boz is like, I can't. I can't tell Diane. I can't have her bail me out. That would be an asshole thing to do. Like, I have to deal with this on my own. But, luckily... Uh, the asshole men working at Donna's VC firm hear Donna's rover deal, and they're like, wait a minute, this lady assistant, this black lady assistant is taking the lead? Uh, well, that won't do. Uh, she doesn't have any experience. Even though she knows more about this particular company than anyone else, She has no experience. Oh, let's bring in an outside consultant. And they start listing off a bunch of names. Conveniently, they're all names of men. They're all names of white men. And then Donna's like, Ah, let me stop you right there. Uh, I could just make one call and everything will be good and everything will be fine. I will bring someone else in. And Donna ends up bringing in Boz. So at least, like, it has to be a white dude. At least it's someone who has been known to be respectful of women. Has been known to let women do their thing. With stuff like mutiny. So, you know, if it had to happen, at least it's someone who's not a sexist pig. But Donna breaks the news to the assistant, and the assistant's like, Oh, grumble, 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 fine. Uh, but yeah, Boz has at least an avenue. A- at least has something to do, and something to hopefully get out of this debt hole that he's dug himself. So, basically, the groundwork for the Battle of the Search Engines has begun. Uh, Also, Joe and Cameron are on the phone for about 50 goddamn years. Like, seriously. Like, they have, like, a 24-hour-long phone call where they just keep talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking throughout this entire episode. Uh, Even to the point where... At one time, Cameron falls asleep, and Joe just stays on the phone all night, waiting for her to wake up. Which is kind of creepy, not gonna lie, but eh. It's a Joe thing to do. Like, this is, this is in line with who Joe is as a person. Whatever. Uh, but anyway... Joe and Cameron just have this long, day-long talk... Uh, talking about various things. Uh, this picks up right where the last episode left off, where Cameron confessed that Tom left her. Uh, and she talks about why he left. Apparently he met another woman. So, uh, the tables have turned! Now he's a cheating asshole! 
How about that? Used to be Cameron. Now it's Tom. Uh, but anyway, so they talk about that. Uh, they talk about stuff Cameron missed. They compare, like, America to Japan and, like, the cultural differences. Uh, they talk about, at one point, they get into, like, Joe's father apparently having passed away in, like, the last year and how that made Joe feel, how it gave Joe an entirely new perspective on who he is compared to his father and how he views his father. It's this really cathartic moment, especially given season one put such an emphasis on Joe's very strained relationship with his father. Uh, they talk about whether or not they want kids, and Joe talks about how he used to think that he never wanted kids because he didn't want his children to feel small the way his father made him feel. Uh, Cameron talks about how she brought up the idea of kids to Tom, and Tom was so excited, and they tried, and it didn't work, and Cameron was actually kind of relieved because she was really just doing it to not disappoint him, and that's about it. And she, her heart was, wasn't really in the game on that one. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, at one point, one of the Atari assholes is like, hey, we're shelving your game. And Joe helps Cameron write up a little statement for the press release. Uh, on and on and on and on and on. Keeping to talk about, like, thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. Uh, Gordon comes up at one point and they talk about, like... Uh, how he's doing with all the brain damage -y stuff. Uh, at one point, Cameron talks about how when she was a kid, she won a beauty contest. Apparently, her mother was, like, just really obsessed with the pageant game and just made Cameron do all of these beauty pageants as a kid that she absolutely hated, and she kept losing and losing and losing and losing until eventually she won one. And she still has resentment just for that. Uh, so, Cameron was a pageant kid. I mean... It's not entirely surprising, because Mackenzie Davis is one of the most beautiful women in the world, call me, but... <laughs> but, like, you don't look at Cameron as a person and think, that was a pageant kid. Like, you don't look at the adult Cameron became and think, she did pageants as a kid. Like, she's just, it's just so counter- to her personality. It's just such a strange level of cognitive dissonance when you hear that. It, it's really, really bizarre. But apparently that was a thing? Alright. That's an interesting little piece of backstory. Sort of giving more context to why Cameron is in no way close to her mother. Sort of gives more context as to why she sort of resents her mother. Because we've sort of touched upon that in the past. Uh, some of those feelings came up when her mother started selling her dad's stuff. And she went to Texas to get it back. And then didn't 
get any of it back. Like, we've sort of hinted at it a bit in the past, but, like, this is the first time we really started getting into why sort of stuff her mother did to make Cameron just despise her. And this appears to be the main reason why, like, immediately after Dad's death, she's like, hey, you know what would help cope? With the death of the person you love most in this world. Forcing you to do a million shallow beauty contests. That are just the most horrific and disgusting thing you'll ever take part in. That'll help. That's a good thing to do with a child who just lost her father. Cameron's mother sucks. We've never met her as a character, but she really is a terrible human being. Not gonna lie. Uh, and of course, inevitably, this leads to Joan Cameron meeting up in person, meeting up in Cameron's hotel room. They don't explicitly show anything, but I feel like you can fill in the blanks. Uh, and then the episode ends with them in a diner. And so, yeah. Joan Cameron just spent, like, multiple days just talking on the phone and hanging out in person... I think we all know what I mean by hanging out. And something was hanging out. <laughs> A lot was. <laughs> oh, terrible euphemisms. On the television archive, this is my new segment where I make terrible euphemisms that are very obvious and poorly thought out. And I immediately regret everything. So yeah, that's the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. More to come on all of this. Again, uh, as I keep saying, this season goes places, man. And those places are phenomenal. Uh, anyway, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just to push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time. If you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, today is the final Double Archive Tuesday. Uh, so that means later today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 3. Talk to you then.